Like many of you, I'm curious about several topics, and what better way to learn than to speak directly with the people who have the answers that you're looking for? My name is Costa. Welcome to Founder Views. That's what this channel is all about. You're going to hear me pick the brains of thought leaders, CEOs, politicians, and business experts about subjects that I'm thinking about or working on at any given time. From economics, business, real estate investing, Bitcoin, lifestyle, politics, and much, much more. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Hoyan, how you doing? Nice to chat again. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be on Founder Views. Thank you for inviting me. Awesome. Uh, I see. I see your jacket there. Uh, is it Remo? Yes, Remo. Uh, yes, that's right. Just give for some context, uh, if you can just let me know a bit about your background and your company, what you're working on. So a little bit about myself. Um, I've been doing uh, entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur and just developing like businesses for probably since 2015. Um, so it's probably like eighth year by now. Uh, previously, I did uh, e-commerce. I sold stuff on Amazon. Um, did like a SaaS product in the social media space and Instagrams particularly. Um, ran a uh, market, an app marketing agency. And uh, now I'm um, starting Remo. Um, I started Remo in 2018, uh, originally as more of like a virtual office solution, but we've um, sort of pivoted into virtual events right before the pandemic in 2019. Um, and so Remo really aims to uh, create authentic conversations that build meaningful relationships by making really an immersive environment for small group discussions. Uh, that make it intimate and very easy for people to have conversations, but also have the freedom to go and move around in this immersive space and talk to whoever you want. So you can imagine it as like a, a map and you've got a bunch of people on the map and there's a bunch of tables and you can move to any table you want and talk to the people on that table, only on that table with the video and the microphone. A few years back, I decided to start documenting my SaaS business journey. I typed out my thoughts and experiences and stages based on where my company was at in terms of revenue. So zero to 25K in MRR, 25 to 75K in MRR, 100K plus in MRR, and the exit. As the company was going through each stage, I was recording in real time the most important lessons and strategies that were critical for helping us achieve each revenue target and grow into the next revenue stage. The very last thing I wrote in this 60 page document full of notes and strategies years ago was a heading titled The Exit. Up until recently, the content under that heading was left blank. Looking back, I guess I always knew there would be an exit at some point and that hunch actually turned to reality. We got our exit in a life changing seven figure acquisition. And so I was finally able to complete the last and final chapter of this particular SaaS journey which was in fact the exit. As someone with a genuine passion in sharing my insights and experiences with other entrepreneurs, I couldn't be more excited to package this material and finally put it out in the world and help as many entrepreneurs as possible. If you're a SaaS founder, a bootstrapped entrepreneur like myself without a trust fund and investors to rely on, a startup founder that is struggling to gain any traction, or an aspiring entrepreneur that needs that extra push to get started, this is for you. 
The title of this course is Hard Knock SaaS. And just like the title, this is a hard knock crash course that you won't find in any textbook. This is full of boots on the ground strategies that will help you get your business to profitability faster, give you practical tips you can implement today, and give you recommended tools and resources to manage your business better. Head over to hardknocksass.com and get access to this material today, and let's get started. Yeah, awesome. Arimo.ca for, for those uh, listening, uh, I'll definitely post that on. But yeah, very interesting uh, concept, very relevant to today for sure. Um, so you said you launched uh, Remo in 2018. You, you mentioned a few companies you're you're doing before, like you sold uh, stuff on Amazon, the SaaS product. Uh, did you end up like exiting those or how did those close out? Yeah, so um, I didn't like technically exit out of those. I mean, what I ended up doing was just I just made money. Um, like for the Amazon one, like I made my initial sort of like, uh, uh, amount of money. And then I rolled that into like the next project. Um, and so I've kind of bootstrapped my entire journey so far. Um, and so it's been, you know, just make, make, making businesses that actually just are just turn a profit, um, nice. and just use that money to do, do something else. Yeah. yeah. So are those companies still operating now? So the uh, the one that on Amazon, yes. Um, the is the social media Instagram one, no. Um, the app marketing agency still runs, still okay. happens, still awesome. still 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 works. Awesome. very cool. So so how how did the the idea of Remo uh, like come to you? Like, what was that that origin story like? Yeah, so I've been doing remote work for over twelve years. Um, so. When remote work was like a fringe kind of movement, right? In twenty eight, back in twenty eighteen, um, I had my own remote team. Um, we just called it outsourcing back then. Um, but uh, what I realized is that it was very difficult to kind of build relationships and to have a a team that works remotely collaborate really, really well. And so I originally created a virtual office solution. So it was more of like trying to replicate that feeling where like, hey, I'm working right next to you. I can hop into your room, pop into your room and just say hi and say, hey, how's it going? How can I like, let's, let's collaborate or, you know, let's, let's, how do we maintain that human connection? Um, when we first tried to sell it, it was very difficult because the remote work uh, market was very small. And so we, um, we did it. We, I ended up partnering with this uh, virtual summit. Back then they were called virtual summits. And, um, and the virtual summits back then were really boring. I don't know if you remember those, but it was like, hey, come to this event and we will play you some pre-recorded videos. Mm. That, that's how kind of corny it was. Yeah. So I was like, I was, it was a remote work virtual summit. I talked to the organizer. And I was like, hey, why don't we make it into like this event? Like people can come in, they can talk to each other and all that kind of stuff. And so I sponsored the event and um, – modify my product to make it into like a virtual event product and what i did was i was like i'm trying to sell the remote work virtual office actually but as a but have them experience it as an event i was like thinking oh yeah they'll like it so across three days and ten thousand people that went through it i then asked them and i said hey so you experienced remo so do you want to go buy the virtual office they're like virtual office really i want to use this for my virtual event I want to use this for events. 
So I was like, oh, okay. Never thought about, never, never thought that you would be considered, you would yeah. consider that. And so from that point, I, I started to pivot. I started to really then reconfigure the product to be really focused as an event product. Um, actually rebuilt a, a, a large piece of it and then um, started selling it as a virtual um, events product like the beginning of 2020, like literally right before yeah, the, yeah. the pandemic. I want to uh, unpack a bit there. So that's that's interesting. So you've been working remote for for a long time. Was it 12 years, you said? Yeah. 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 So have experience working remotely. Um, you mentioned, and I agree, I have the same experience and definitely a challenge is, is it's difficult to build relationships with people. And that's just the nature of, of human beings, I think, right? It's just more challenging to do that remotely. So was this opportunity of Remo, would you say more impacted by your own experience and challenges? Or was it more like seeing like the outside and like seeing this opportunity and this trend happening with remote work or maybe like a combination of both of those things? It was definitely a personal experience. Like I have a very, very uh, extreme, like um, not extreme, but a story. So I was working with um, back in the day when I was working remotely, um, I found it really difficult to c connect with people and I actually lost a number of like team members um, because they were, they just couldn't feel connected. They weren't talking to anyone. It was very lonely. Um, and then one of them left and I asked them why they're leaving. And they said, oh, well, I wanted to um, work on this other types of projects. And I was like, oh my gosh, if I knew that, I would have put you on a project like that. I would totally would have done that. And um, it's just the style of, of how back then, how you would communicate and how you talk to each other, like there's no Slack, there's no nothing. Um, it was a very lonely endeavor. And I would say even today, working remotely is relatively lonely with really small spurts of like being able to talk to someone. And um, and that's where I felt like we need to create something a bit more meaningful that allows people to just connect easier. Um, and, and, and not just by text though, because text is still so one-dimensional that you don't feel the human connection, even if you just connect through text, even if you connect through chat, like right now people use Slack and Teams, like that that still doesn't do a good job in actually connecting people. So how do you so how do you kind of like make that jump? And a lot of you know communication is actually through nonverbal communication. So 70%, 60% of communication is actually nonverbal, actually. It's the way how that person looks, his gestures, eye contact, all that stuff makes for really good human connection and if you just do text you don't you know obviously you don't get that yeah so so obviously you're you're using remo for your own business internally right that's right yeah that's right uh, so so how would you say then like how objectively have you personally benefited uh from using remo compared to like the challenges uh, you faced previously when you didn't have something like Remo, like how, how have you actually, what was the, what has been the actual impact of that? Yeah. I mean, for, for me and a lot of our customers as well, like, so what Remo has changed into is more from an event standpoint. So we've moved from a virtual office to events because what I realized is human connection. When you're working, you're just working. Like people are not like you're, people are not like socializing like a lot during work. And when you try it, it's like, you know, if you were in an office, right, would you rather have a happy hour in your 
meeting room or would you rather have happy hour at a bar? At the right? bar, for sure. I think the answer is at the bar, right? Because it's a social, it's a social uh, activity that should happen in a social place. A meeting should not happen at a bar because that's a productive, purposeful meeting that should happen in the office. So what, what I kind of realized is that you really want to have social activities inside more in virtual events. And so what we've done in Remo is like, we would like, like some clear examples is that like on a monthly basis, we have um, like basically town halls and those town halls are actually networking events, actually. Mm-hmm. Like it's like people will come together and they'll network and they'll talk to each other. And then we will create like these really specific um, activities for them to do so that they can kind of like connect over an experience or, um, connect over a game or something like that. And then at the end of the year, you know, a lot of my staff were like, oh, a year end party online. Oh, that sounds so boring. Like that just doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't sound great at all. Uh, I had a lot of people actually come up to me that they're very skeptical about it. Um, but after we were able to create an amazing experience, like we, we had, um, different people come in to like do shows. We had a lot of breakout sessions. People were playing games and networking and and doing things together in a small group. And, um, you know, we did this for like years and each year the, um, the feedback that we get is like over 97% satisfaction. Like people are really, really happy and they feel way more connected with each other after each event. And the more events you stack up over time, the, more, the deeper the relationships are. And so one of the key sort of great things about Remo is that our culture, even though it's remotely distributed, is um, for some people who have like, who have um, who moved on to the company to get to, to like, you know, find like much more like amazing opportunities, they come back, they, they will come back to me and they'll tell me it's like, wow, the culture of Remo was really, really good. That, Even yeah, though it's fully yeah. distributed, it's better than the culture of a company that they went to where it is everyone works at the office. Yeah, that's interesting. That I I could I totally get it. Whatever you how you just described that, uh, I can totally imagine that. I I personally ha- I don't have the experience in in using something like this in a virtual event, but that sounds really interesting. Uh, how close would you say does that experience emulate like real interaction and you know, obviously it's not a hundred percent, but like if you had to give it a percentage and I feel like this percentage is like increasing over time as the technology evolves, throw in virtual headsets. Like if you, you know, it'll increase, but what would you say now? Like if you had to put a percent on it? I mean, right now I would say it's probably like 80, 80%. Like we're the only only one that, yeah, because I mean, you got to try it. Like once you try, you'll know what I mean. Yeah. Like people come to us and say, wow, that was just like, you know, real life face of having face to face conversation. I can jump, I can move around. So that's, yeah. That's awesome. All right. Nice. So, so you said now that it sounded like there was some pivot. So now you're primary focusing on events. Like that's your, who you're using. Yeah. Right now. For events. Yeah. Right, right now we're focusing on virtual events. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, so who are just, just to paint the picture then, who are some of the like notable customers and some of the, their use cases on how they're using Remo? Yeah. We've had some big, like the biggest tech firms that use us, um, you know, like the Googles, like the Amazon, like the, the Fangs basically, um, they, they use us for a variety of different reasons. Um, they use us for like, for example, executive roundtables. 
um, customer events. Um, they use this for um, onboarding for employees. Um, okay. They use this for internal happy hours. Um, and then we also, on the flip side, we have a lot of universities that use us, like Stanford, Harvard. Um, they use us for job fairs and also for student engagement um, because a lot of them are starting to, you know, since the pandemic, like a lot of them also have online courses. Um, and these online courses need, they need an inner engagement. They need some kind of interaction. They need some kind of classroom or, or, or outside of classroom engagement. Okay. Um, it, was this your first uh, time experiencing like, um, more like B2B type of sales to this level? Uh, no, no, no. I, I did B2B. Well, I, it's the first time my, 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 me doing B2B for like mid-sized enterprise for sure. Cause before yeah. when I did B2B, it was like small, small, small okay. company. Yeah. So at this scale, first time, small how has that experience company. been? Like paint the from um, day one, right? From from the moment you started Remo, what's the story on that? Actually, did you uh, do you have a partner? Um, like fu- self funded yourself? Any investment? I, I self funded. Um, it's it's it's, it's self funded, and um, I'm a solo founder. Um, and uh, and what was your other question? Um. Well, let, let's go back. So, so solo founder, uh-huh. uh, how did you get your first 50 customers? So, um, I, I actually did a lot of podcasts. We were just talking about this earlier. I, I did a lot of podcasts. Um, uh, I, I was going to go on AppSumo. That helped a little bit. Um, I, um, I did a lot of, um, I just reached out to a lot of people and um, said, Hey, you know what I'm doing? I have this product. Look like, so you do events. Do you want to host the event here? I'll provide it for free. So we were kind of like hosting a lot of people's events a lot. That helped a lot because people then experienced the product and that really started the viral loop of people like talking about it and sharing about it. So it, and when then, you say, um, sorry to interrupt, but when you say uh, you were hosting people's events, were you like, um, like the company holding the event was using Remo or were you like a sponsor to that event or? We were, we were kind of like a sponsor, but also like okay. an event producer. Okay. Gotcha. So we were producing the event, like in charge of the coordination and all that, like all the back end yeah. stuff, pressing okay. the buttons while they just like kind of spoke. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Doing some of that pod. So that's how you got your first 50 just through that network effect on those channels. Yeah. 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 Through, through that because a lot of um, people were uh, and, and also like a bit of SEO as well. Um, but at that time, virtual events and all that kind of stuff was a very, it was at a very nascent stage. So, you know, doing things in a very nascent early market um, is easy, easier. Um, you know, right now virtual events is a very, you know, very busy market. It's like, there's a very saturated market. So like all the players, all the main players have all been like situated and stuff. So it's a lot more difficult now. Mm-hmm. So, so what's your, uh, so how big is the team now? It's about 25. 25. Okay. And, and what's, how are, I'm sure you've now like properly or probably still maybe adjusting for sure, but like uh, the sales process. So how, how does that look today? You're like marketing and sales prospect, like you have salespeople, are you providing them leads? Yeah. So we have a lot of inbound. Um, so I have a sales team and then, um, we're doing content and, uh, we're also doing a little bit of outbound as well nice. uh, and ads. 
mostly ads. Okay. Uh, how many salespeople do you have? Like three. Okay, nice. Are, are, do you share like how many uh, clients you have or? Yeah, I mean, we, we have um, roughly like um, 700 customers right now. Nice. That's amazing. Good for you, man. That, that I love hearing these bootstrap stories and, you know, individuals <sighs> on their own, just like growing companies this way. It's, uh, yeah, I, I love it. It's very um, motivating for, for me and a lot of people, I'm sure, but love the stories. Um, so, so how, how I want to come back to like the experience of it, right? Cause like for just in general, like any, any company that stays a long time has longevity, like at the end, they have to provide real value to people, uh, you know, for sustainability of that company. Uh, how are, I'd love to hear more like feedback from customers. Like, are you noticing more of a trend on companies going remote, uh, for example, um, and just like the feedback you're hearing from your users on how their employer employees are feeling about it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, remote work has gone through such a roller coaster of a ride because at the beginning um, of the pandemic, everyone's working remote. Um, and then now we've kind of moved into the sort of, sort of hybrid remote now where it's like, you know, a few days in the office, a few days um, working from home. And I would say that the market is quite fragmented, meaning that you've got the set of com- new startups, new companies will start off remote, mostly. Um, most of them will start off remote. And then, but then you've got a lot of traditional companies that want to go back in person, some of them fully in person, some of them at least hybrid. And so there is this battle that's kind of happening behind the scenes on like, okay, well, what's better? Like what is better for the company and maintain like employee engagement and all that kind of stuff. And employees obviously want more flexibility. They want to work from home. And then of course, employers want people to work at the office. Um, right now, I think the pendulum is swinging back more into in-person uh, for more of the medium to larger size companies. That seems to be the case. Uh, there's more companies that are uh, uh, going uh, through the process of that, and um, uh, and and hybrid work is definitely like a, an area where a lot of people have started to like accept and be willing to to kind of like adapt on that. Um, but there's a constant battle behind the scenes between you know companies wanting to pull employees back more into the office and employees want to more stay at home. So it's um, it's this constant sort of like thing that's happening in the background. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because that, that's kind of where, where where my head's going. I'm curious to hear how, like, how how are you pitching this to these corporations? I, and the the reason I ask that, I feel like there this is really good timing uh, with like the positioning of what you're doing in terms of like how you can um, like position the value that you're providing. Like, you know, for example, like you, you can incorporate some political narratives. Like, there's a lot of talk right now, obviously ESG and. Uh, sustainability and like carbon footprints. Like this is a, uh, a very popular, you can say uh, talking point where I can see some, a company like Remo leveraging that narrative to, to get in. So I'm just, you know, I want to talk about sort of how you're positioning the company from that sense. Yeah, there is some ESG. Um, I would say like the European companies care about ESG more than the U S companies. <laughs> um 
So the positioning is very effective on more on the European side. Um, and the, uh, in the, in the U S side, it's mostly around cost. There's a lot around cost, like reduced cost. Um, and being able to like provide a very immersive experience at a much more, um, cheaper cost. And that is time travel. That is productivity. That is, um, just cost of hosting an event. Like all that stuff is, is where a lot of the, um, the benefits really are. Um, also like a lot of, uh, events, cater make cater to a very distributed audience like if you're hosting like a if you're a national company and you've got customers all over the states it's it's better to do a virtual event than to invite everyone in person for certain events mm-hmm. not other other events you may want to do physically but there's a lot of events in between that you may not want you may not want to yeah yeah for sure um so so you so you operate um so in Europe, what's the what's the division of a uh, like percentage of of uh, your customer base? Is it primarily in the U.S. or in Europe? Yeah, majority is U.S. and then okay. followed by Europe. Okay, are there any uh, segments of like certain industries that that you focus focus on more, or is it kind of spread out? No, it's pretty spread out. There's there's really no industry. Yeah, it's pretty spread out. Okay, yeah. interesting. Um, uh, what about like is is univer- you you mentioned universities is that a significant part of your customer base you'd say yeah 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 we 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 have a significant number of universities still um a lot of them are you know hosting a lot of student related events um job fairs um especially for for students that have already graduated mm-hmm. um that is still a uh one of the areas that we that we focus yeah. on so in when it comes to marketing are you um, are you like really like pinpointing and going like really niche on who you're marketing to, or is it like pretty broad? Um, we are becoming more niche right now. It started off pretty broad, but we're becoming more niche in terms of the marketing messaging. Yeah. So, so what, who's that niche customer then? Like who are you niching in on? Um, right now we're, we're trying a few, so that's still kind of like testing. Okay. So, um, you know, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not entirely hundred percent like sure yet, but we're testing on a few right now. Okay. And w- w- are, are you a developer by trade? What's your, uh, like day to day, uh, operationally with Remo? So I, I'm not a developer. Um, I, I, I started off actually as a marketer, hmm. so I'm more of like a, a marketing type person. My day to day right now is focused on go to market. It's focused on go to market and product. Nice. Okay. Um, this is your second SaaS business. Yes. Yeah. What are at this size of a company? Uh, you know, this many clients, uh, team members. As a company, what would you say is is the biggest challenge you're facing right now? Biggest challenge is focus. Focus. focus for sure like for like as a yeah. company as a whole like vision or like more like individually or? focus as in like focus as in like making sure you choose the right customer mm. um and choosing the right uh yeah just basically choosing the right customer yeah yeah because there's so many different customers we have with we have too many we have too many different niches too many different industries too many different use cases and that becomes a bit too overwhelming um we need, you know, that's the biggest challenge. Just, it's just to like niche down into one, 
um, yeah. and then just focus on that one. That's what I was trying to like get to because I, I find from my experience, like when you niche down and like you're super specific on who your customer is, it just makes everything so much easier. You know, it, it does. It does. It makes everything a lot easier for you, for the team, for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the challenge is just like figuring out which one it is because I've been yeah. trying to figure that out for like the past twenty, past like twelve to twenty four months, and it's been incredibly difficult because of um because of the pandemic the pandemic has been kind of like a shroud of fog which prevents you from kind of seeing which are the the types of you know um customers that are really worth going for but the problem is that everything's kind of changing um constantly just constantly changing and that's makes it really difficult mm. because yeah. the data that you're getting just becomes old and stale and doesn't work and it's all the difference between is it pandemic data or is it like normal, like pen, like new normal data? Like where is that line? You know, are we there in the new yeah. normal right now? Um, it, it is for some industries. It is for some human behaviors, but it's not for for some for businesses. It may not be. Um, at least in the past twelve months. Right now, it's starting to clear up. It's become that's much a more good point. Now. Yeah, that's a great point. The, the The first industry that comes to my mind is is universities. Uh, I just feel like that's, um, you're right, it's changing, but like, you know, you can kind of have the foresight to see how, what they're doing now. And I feel like they're, they're going to be in this hybrid mode for quite some time. I don't know, I could be wrong, but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing is that each use case is different. So I'll give you a good example, like, like job fairs. Like, I thought job fairs would be the first to go back in person. But there's still like a lot of job fairs that are held virtually. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it, it, each use case depends. It depends on each use case. It depends on a lot on the industry, um, like how distributed the industry is, um, like how digitized it is. Like the more digitized it is, that industry is typically everyone is more spread out. They don't necessarily so centralized. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of kind of factors involved. Mm -hmm. Where do you find most remote companies are based out of? The U.S. or Europe? Or I'll say U.S. and Europe. One US more than Europe. the other, or or pretty even. I mean, India too. I mean, there's a bunch in India as well. Um, I don't know. I don't know which one has more. To be honest, I'm I'm, I'm not. Um, I don't. I don't have a good gut feel. For that because it's um yeah I, I don't i don't yeah both okay. both i mean both support us both have a lot of customers we get a lot of customers from both areas but you know for me to say like like a general general i i, I actually don't know yeah do, do you see a lot of um you know bigger older companies uh coming to remote like because of their their transitioning to to just op, like experience yeah. remotely or yeah what, what's your yeah, absolutely there? yeah i mean i mean it's it's definitely a challenge like we've got some older one like they're trying to figure it out i think now is a bit better like now everyone kind of knows what hybrid work is um and so they're starting to learn and be better at it i would say people doing hybrid work are now pretty like starting to become relatively mature so a lot of companies that were like struggling with it are now starting to figure out better what are the best practices um 
it was tough like last year or the year before, but right now it's starting to be a bit better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I want to shift to more, uh, you as a founder, uh, you, you know, running a SaaS business, uh, d- d- what are, what are some of the most important SaaS metrics that you pay attention to for your company? So right now, um, it's, it's, is, is, is revenue like net revenue payments in the door is one. So net revenue payments is like basically like what you see cash into the door minus discounts, minus refunds. Um, this is a bit unusual. I would say, I think most startups may not be focused on this, but basically the whole concept is cash flow. Like how much money are we making? The reason is because um, number one, we're bootstrapped. So money is important. Number two is that due to the economic environment for tech, um, that makes it very, for me, like I'm really watching my burn. I'm really watching like the profitability of the company. So it's, it's basically that, um, watching that. And then, and then other metrics are things like churn, um, CAC, um, and then also like, um, like right now I'm looking a lot into like trial conversions and a number of number of trials um, that are coming in and number of like booked sales demos. Yeah. When I asked it, I'm like, man, that's, that's a fully loaded question to ask because I like, think what you focus on, like it just changes depending on like where you're at. But what I, what I found interesting in what you said, it's, you know, you're talking to a fellow bootstrapped entrepreneur. So, so I get it, but it's almost, um, it, it, it's almost like a, a foreign concept to say like, yeah, we're focusing on cash flow and profitability when in the past like 10 years, like, you know, a lot of these tech companies in particular have just been in this world of, of abundance and investment. And like the focus was, has always been yep. on investment, seeing that next investment round rather than profitability. So, um, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's definitely. A, I mean, it's a regime change in terms of, um, uh, in terms of, in terms of the interest rate environment, and in terms of what uh, VCs are looking at. It's a really, really huge change. So, um, but you know, we've always been looking at that um, because just the nature of us as a business. So, you know, it's nice yeah. to see everyone else focus on that too. Yeah, for and sure. Not just just pursue growth. So with this, there's obviously been a massive like economic change and shift happening, especially in the last couple of years. What what right. like tangible objective, um, you know, like things are you seeing on the ground uh, that has been different in this last couple of years compared to previously in terms of, like quality of like employees, costs, like just anything. So you're talking about like bef- comparing before the pandemic and then right now. Yeah, like, are you noticing good- any, yeah, exactly. Like, are you noticing like tangible differences? Like, for example, so, um, like a salesperson you hire, you use, you're used to paying a salary of X amount, but now you're noticing a change there or like the quality of candidates, um, you know, just general. So I would say the... Um, I think everything's gotten more expensive. Like salaries, uh, you know, employee salaries have definitely gone up, um, especially in countries where previously it wasn't as high, like, for example, like in India and you know, those places. So those have gone up, which is great, which is great for the people who, 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 are, who are working in those countries. Um, 
I also think that um, you get access to a lot more talent. You see a lot more talent, and you can find the talent, to find the potential talent. But uh, before it was a lot easier to find really good talent. Now it's uh, a bit harder. Even though there's a recession, you'll see a lot more talent, but that's like expensive talent. Um, what I mean is, is like talent that is much more in uh, more competitive countries. Like those are harder to find now. Um, I would say, mm-hmm. in 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 price competitive countries, um, from a talent perspective, um, I think uh, I think it's much easier to build now. I mean, way more easier to build stuff. It's just so much tools, so much things. I think to a point where I think product is so commoditized. So I think I think differentiation is more around the business model and execution, go to market relationships, partnerships, that kind of stuff. Like how well are you able to get corral people together to your cause? Um, I think is where a lot of the edge um, is that creates some of the better competitive unique value propositions for the company versus just purely a product because it's very easy to build product. I mean, even AI, like all this generative AI stuff, like it's really easy. It's not that hard to build, you know, this generative AI stuff even right now. It's just really not that hard. You, you can you can definitely you know build it. You don't need like like you can get language LLM models that are already like open source and then just work off of those too. It's not something that is like inaccessible. I I totally agree with that. that's very interesting. Uh, yeah, where products are becoming commoditized. Like that's uh, that's so true when when you when you frame it like that. So so knowing that. Um, like what are you i know you mentioned like obviously the podcast like is that why like you're you think you're focusing on that podcast like you're trying to find like that differentiator what's going to make remo stand out in the market and you're just trying to capture like build a community is that the the focus on the marketing side yeah i mean for the marketing side is to um create really like authentic content like really talk about really authentic topics and talk about things that it's just different because people at the end of the day want something helpful they want something authentic they don't you know with ai stuff now it just makes you know authenticity i think even more important so i think podcast is a really good way to communicate that to communicate like you know what my thoughts my philosophy what i feel and what i think the future should be which i think needs to be more focused on authentic voice and um more about people really because at the end of the day we're selling to people we're not selling to robots and all those things still take place even if you have ai like ai still needs to create content that that does that but then if it's if it's just like words or you watch a video that has an ai avatar like it's just so you know it's not going to be that effective i don't i'm not sure that it will be effective for from a marketing standpoint Mm. using like these avatars that then talk based off of the text that you give you you know what i mean like I'm still not sure that that's that's going to be authentic enough for people to make buying decisions. When when do you see uh, like headsets coming into play with Remo? Yeah, I mean, um, I have a bit of a different view about headsets and about VR. Um, I I'm, I believe that VR and AR is inevitable. Like it's definitely going to happen, but I believe that. VR and AR needs to have a technological revolution that 
I thought the phone had. And you know how you had the feature phone that, that went into the smartphone, right? So it's like basically the iPhone, essentially. Like there needs to be something like that happen in, in VR in terms of size, in terms of just technological like like revolution in terms of that way. I think because right now there's still a lot of challenges with VR and AR, like especially with VR. Like it's, it's heavy, um, it's expensive. Um, these people still get dizzy. Um, there's still a lot of challenges with it. And also with VR, right? If you're trying to say, hey, this looks real. I'm going to show you something. It looks real. I want you to make you think it looks real. The problem with that is it has to be 100%. Actually, I would say it has to be 120% perfect. Like you can't have anything that will break the illusion. Because the moment that you break the illusion and there's something a little bit off about it, the whole illusion then becomes, it disappears. And people do not buy into it. They will not buy into it. They will know that it is fake. And then just like, you know, this AI stuff right now, it's a similar thing. Once I kind of know that it's AI, it's inauthentic, I step away because I'm not talking to a real person or I'm not talking to something that I think is real. So I think there still needs to be a lot of work that needs to be done here in order to kind of figure that piece out. Um, especially on the VR side, I think AR is more probably more 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 relevant. But I'm not sure if VR is. I think VR still needs some time. When was the last time that you you put on a VR headset? Um, probably like maybe like a year ago. Yeah, of an HTC Vive. The the reason I ask is I remember the first time I put on a headset was like I don't know, like six seven years ago and. Very early back then, I think it was like a Samsung, whatever. Um, but I just remember the 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 experience of it felt so real. Like even if it wasn't like an actual setting, like a make believe setting, like like how how it affects you cognitively in your mind and like feeling, where it, it it's very close to having the same uh, perception and feeling as as being live. And that was like six seven years ago. So I can only imagine how it is now. Um, but yeah, I don't know, just a random a thought on VR. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I believe that there's been a lot of improvements to it. I mean, I, I do, I do, do well believe that. I'm, I'm sure graphically has, has improved a lot. But the thing is, is that, you know, technology moves faster than humans. That's the problem. Yeah. Like humans just change so slowly. So, you might have technology that's really there and it's all there, but the human behavior part, the go-to-market to change human behavior, that part is something that um, when I talk about innovation, I'm talking about innovation, not necessarily technology, but innovation in that respect too. Like what are the right incentives that really drive someone to really just drop their phone and put on something really bulky? Yeah. Like there's a, there's a new VR headset called Big Screen. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. No. It's called big screen, but it's like really thin. It's like really small. Like this, it's like the size of like my glasses, wow. and it's just really it just kind of cups right on top of your eyes. Um, and that one is looks pretty cool. It's light. Um, I think the wire is really thin. You know, you can move around in the space. Like I think they've done some pretty good work there. Hmm. Um, but I think like uh, it, it it still needs to um, like you know the, the how are we going to get people to really use them? Like yeah. why? 
Like what is the, what's, what's the reason that I'm going to drop my phone, I'm going to drop my computer and then use that instead? What is that compelling reason that's 10x better? And, and like, is it, is it a technology thing that's preventing them from doing that? Or is it a human behavior thing? Yeah. You know I what think, I mean? I, like, think, you, I like, think you hit that right on the head, man. Uh, like, because when I look at Remo, right, and see what you're doing, these virtual uh, rooms are like really cool. The, the, just in theory, the thought of like, Hey, add a headset to that. Like if it's, if the experience is already like 80% and like, it's making an impact, just the thought of adding the virtual, uh, like headset element to it is just going to take that to the next level. But the, the part that, you know, people don't necessarily think about as much as they should is like this human behavior element. And like at the end of the day, like that requires someone like like myself working in my office to actually like put something on my face or or over my eyes and like so it's like it's a different way of working and I think that's uh, yeah you hit it on the head like that's a challenge for sure I don't know if we're there yet yeah I, I don't know I, I think we'll get there eventually I think we will um, I think there's going to be some use cases that are going to come up that are they're going to make sense I think people are using it already uh, actually so oh, yeah. people are using it for like creating worlds. Um, I don't know, do we have time? I can talk about one really good use case, actually. Please, yeah, go for it. So um, have you have you watched The Mandalorian? No. Okay, so um, there's this new way that movies are being made now, and they're called virtual production studios. Um, and what they do is they put all these LED panels in this huge space. And then they um, then they get a computer and then they like put a really high quality image on those LEDs. And it's called it's a really famous company right now that's doing this for the Mandalorian. Um, uh, it's basically the ones that actually pioneered it. Um, let me just see if I can find it. Mandalorian um, virtual production. The Mandalorian. Yeah. And this comp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Star Wars TV show. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's called uh, it's called Stagecraft. Some people call it Stagecraft. There's actually a company that um, that did it. But anyways, so the concept is is that that this huge LED wall, high high um, high def, they put an image on it, and then in front they like put like practical like objects and stuff. Like they'll put like um, like a like a like a car or whatever whatever. And then they have a camera, and then they have all these like tr- tracking detection stuff. So when you move the video camera or when you sh- sh- you're, sh- you're taking the shot, you take the shot of an actual person and in the background, it's like the desert or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can instantly change like the lighting on the background. So they use unity to drive that background image. So you can, you can like shift the angle. You can make it the sunrise, sunset, you do whatever what you want. And when um, you move the camera, the background image wall, will change its perspective according to where your camera is pointing. So basically it's like way cheaper. You don't have to fly people everywhere. Everything is all done in one place. And you can create these amazing environments. Okay, so that's what that. The way how they design those environments, they use VR headsets for those. Hmm. So they have a team that then what they do is that they go scout out for locations. So there's this one scene that was like in this one like mountains in Norway or something like this. This beautiful mountains, all that kind of stuff. So they got the team. They sent the team there and they took these drones and then took a whole 3D like image of the whole thing. They put it in the space 
And then people would wear the VR headsets and then do a lot of world building. Like they make the plants, they make, you know, all this other stuff and everything like that is like super makes a lot of sense because you need to see that in order to visualize the space so that when you, you can prepare the shot, you have to do all this preparation to make sure that the shot works and that everything is up to the standards of the director. Yeah. That, that's a great team. use case. A uh, really good friend of mine works at a huge gaming company and uh, he's a like set designer. So like, you know, he's flown out to different places in the world and like to do exactly what you said. So yeah, the thought of just uh, throwing on a headset and replicating that, that's, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's pretty, um, I think it's pretty cool. Like, like this is going to change the way how, people are going to create movies and stuff. So it's, it's, I, th- I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Even on like the consumer end, I, I'd say like fitness is, it's pretty good from what I can see. That's as a use case. Yeah. 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 yeah for sure. For sure. hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. All right. Hoyan, man, I, I do appreciate the time. I don't want to be mindful uh, of the time here, but uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on. If someone wanted to learn more about Remo, learn more about you, where's the best place to find you? on the internet yeah remo is remo.co um and linkedin is uh, linkedin.com uh and the normal url slash hoian chung i can i can send that to you after perfect are you on any other uh, social media twitter instagram or anything or linkedin's your main spot linkedin is probably like the best linkedin is like the best way okay perfect all right appreciate it man thanks again uh we should definitely do this again sometime cool. and um all the best best of luck to remo can't wait to to see the journey evolve thank you thank you so much thank you all right all right